David Cassidy, Man Undercover, won't be seen tonight, so he can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files, I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Beverly Beverly Hills Hills Cop. Take yourself back. 1984. July 18th in San Isidro, San Diego, California. 41-year-old James Oliver Huberty sprays a McDonald's restaurant with gunfire, killing 21 people before being shot and killed himself. I remember that because that was the first mass shooting that I was aware of, and it took place really close to where I lived. So, you know, it was... It's just so crazy to think, like, you know, we have so many shootings every day that it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. But uh, but that was it just, used to be. it was yeah. insane. It was insane when that happened. Uh, July 28th, the 1984 Summer Olympics started here in Los Angeles with no Soviet Union in attendance. Another tragedy. Yeah, very sad. September 7th, an explosion on board a Maltese patrol boat disposing illegal fireworks off the Sea of Gozo kills seven soldiers and a policeman. Is that Gozo the Gozerian? Yeah. Is that where yeah. he's from? <laughs> yeah, that's where, yeah, Gozerian Not is to from. make light of, of the <laughs> many poor deaths. people dying. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, poor Malta. Uh, was night- there a Stay Puffed Marshmallow? It, yeah, there was. That's what actually what happened. He set off the fireworks. Everybody. I'm going to just keep going. That's fine. December 5th, 1984, it was the release of Beverly Hills Cop. Woohoo! The movie went on to spawn two sequels. It grossed $316 million. We'll get to that. (laughs) It was the highest grossing movie of 1984, uh, second uh, second to none. Uh, It it was above Raiders of the Lost Ark and Ghostbusters. uh, What a great year. Which was crazy, yeah. The film stayed at number one for 13 consecutive weeks and then came back to number one on its 15th weekend, making 14 non-consecutive weeks at number one, tying Tootsie for the film with the most weeks at number one. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, it's Tootsie. weird. Tootsie. I know of all things Tootsie. Adjusted for inflation, it is the third highest grossing R-rated film of all time Ooh. behind The Exorcist and The Godfather. Nice. That's a good company to be in. It's really funny because I don't think of this movie as being rated R. I realize there's like yeah. boobs and, and they go to strip club and there's some swearing and stuff. But it's like, the swearing. I mean, it's the it's the language. Because yeah. it's Eddie Murphy. You can't yeah, you know, know get Eddie Murphy without... No, that's true. You know, that's true. Well, I guess you can. That's what ruined his career is basically <laughs> doing a bunch of kids' movies that's and true. taking the F-bombs out of <laughs> it was his first of seven consecutive number one box office hits. He was a megastar, baby. Uh, starting with Beverly Hills Cop going to The Golden Child, then Beverly Hills Cop 2, Eddie Murphy Raw, Coming to America, Harlem Nights, and Another 48 Hours. There's a good four movies in that list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of those I really like. I'm not a huge fan of Harlem Nights or, or Another 48 Hours. But no, uh, that was kind of the slip. That was, you yeah, know, the 48 was, Hours, yeah. Another 48 Hours, Cash Grab. That was awful. It was bad. And, and, and definitely you could see the, the Eddie, Murphy, Eddie Murphy bubble slowly bursting. <laughs> well, you know, I think with any megastar, you know, when Eddie Murphy started out, he was like, you know, they found him when he was like 16 yeah, doing stand-up. And young. he was hilarious. So hilarious that he got on Saturday Night Live when he was like 17, 18 yeah, yeah. years old. He was young, yeah. And he blew up. I mean, yeah, you know, 48 huge. hours, uh, everything that he touched just turned to gold. And you, as a young man, you, you forget that he was just <laughs> like in his 20s when all yeah. this was happening. Yeah. You know, you his get early to a 20s, point yeah. where it's like, yeah. I'm the biggest star in the world. Yeah. You know, I can do whatever was, I want. He was know? paid $4 million for this movie. Off Insane. a budget of $13 million. That's how he made Bubble Hill or whatever. <laughs> that his 
home oh. compound is <laughs> called. I It just blows my mind that literally they took this – not that he was unproven, but I mean because everybody knew him. But the fact that his salary was – Almost a quarter of the budget? He was lightning in a bottle. Just to go back to Ghostbusters for a second, Dan Aykroyd saw the potential there and was writing that movie for him. Yeah, he wanted it to be for him. Some people say that Eddie Murphy actually turned down Ghostbusters for this, but I don't believe that was true. No, because Ghostbusters was being completely reworked. The the Ghostbusters he was going to be in was with John Belushi. Yeah, yeah, it was a much different story. But I don't know if you remember, um, there was a film, I think it was called Just Defense with Dudley Moore, or Best Defense. And that Eddie Murphy was in it for like six seconds. Oh, wow. And when the ads for that movie came out, it was just <laughs> it was all... Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy. And then when you go to see it, you're like, this movie's A, really bad. And B, <laughs> where the hell's Eddie Murphy? He's not. It was like it. Waldo. He was in it, but it was, it was yeah, enough. Yeah. Very, you know, they got him before he hit. Right, right. It was great. So uh, there's some arguments about how the movie was created about Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, Don Simpson and Michael Eisner were both Paramount executives. They argue about who came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. Michael Eisner actually claims that he was pulled over in 1975 in L.A. with a beat-up old station wagon and was treated like crap by the cops. <laughs> he wanted to play upon this idea of a blue-collar cop coming into a high-end police station. Mm-hmm. But in 1977, Don Simpson claims that he had this idea about a cop from East L.A. heading to Beverly Hills to work a case. He actually had a script written for it. Couldn't they both have the ideas? I mean, mean, technically it it sounds like they both did. Yeah, and then they were just arguing about which one was the one that got, you know, the the goose. The genius. In the pot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Don Simpson had a script written. He actually took it. He was actually developing it. Uh, But it languished. It was shelved until 1983 until uh, Don Simpson's big hit with Paramount, Flashdance. What a feeling. Flashdance is the reason that Beverly Hills Cop happened. That's insane. (laughs) <laughs> Flashdance was a phenomenon, though. I mean, oh, yeah. it, was it was crazy. It was I mean, it's just there's – because entertainment and media wasn't what it is today and there were so few things. You know, you had a yeah. few channels yeah. on your TV and then you had your movies that came out and you had your books. Yeah. Um, and video games to some extent. But, you know, it's like yeah. there were such events back then. It just like – Flashdance was another one of these iconic freaking movies that is just like everybody's wearing sweatshirts with no bra (laughs) on their shoulders showing. You know, it's just, it's another change. You'll have to definitely do a show on that. Cultural. It was a huge cultural impact. Uh, The script that Don Simpson had written was a straight up action movie and did not gain a lot of traction. So he brought in Daniel Petrie Jr., who rewrote the script and made it more of an action comedy. Do you know what uh, Mr. Petrie, Petrie Jr. also wrote? No. Neither do I. All right. (laughs) Well, there you go. Well, uh, his script was short-lived because they originally brought on Mickey Rourke to play Ooh. the lead, uh, according yeah, to Jerry Bruckheimer. A, a Hills a, I'm, a, I'm a cop from Detroit, and I'm going to Beverly Hills. Ugh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad stop, I was not in that I'm movie. I'm going to stop my, the murder of my body. I'm going to stop uh, Jerry guy. Bruckheimer was a producer, and he, he claims that he actually gave him $400,000, a holding contract, which I, there's no record of whether or not he actually got to keep it or not. Wait, to, to Mickey to Rourke? To Mickey Rourke, yeah. Mickey Rourke was pretty cool back then, though. I mean, Pope of Greenwich Village is a great movie. Well, that's that's actually what he ended up leaving to go do. Oh, well, good, good. Because that was, was a, I'd much rather see him in that than Beverly Hills. But, it was, but the reason, his reasoning was that the movie, the pre-production was just taking too long. So he was like, well, I'm going to go to this other movie. Yeah, well, he wasn't. A, he has. I don't think he had done like a big Hollywood movie by then. Just a small aside. I, I worked with Jerry Bruckheimer for a while, Ooh. and that man hates shorts. Wow! If you ever attend a meeting with him in shorts, he will literally kick you out of the building. 
Well, A, if you're going to a meeting with a big producer in but shorts. He would, but he would show up to production meetings with like a bunch of like, grips, and they'd be like, well, why can't you fucking wear shorts? Oh, grips? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, then he's just he being a dick. He was being a dick. Anyway, Jerry Bruckheimer, he's very successful. Yeah. You know, cocaine <laughs> makes people <laughs> more of who they are. Uh, so they offered the part to Sylvester Stallone, uh, which we will <laughs> discuss more later with T. Uh, but uh, he, it was going to be bad. Yeah. So Stallone said that his script for Beverly Hills Cop would have, quote, You look like a ride on the beach in Normandy. me in a stolen Lamborghini, playing chicken in a non-coming freight train, being driven by an Ultra-Slamberger. All right, so to translate that, <laughs> he said he could have looked like the, it would have looked like the opening scene from Saving Private Ryan on the beaches of Normandy. Believe it or not, the finale was me in a stolen Lamborghini, playing chicken with an oncoming freight train, being driven by the ultra-slimy <laughs> bad guy. And you know this is a quote from him, because he literally said ultra-slimy. Ultra-slimy. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, they, uh, they decided his ideas were too expensive after he had rewritten the script, uh, which eventually he used for Cobra. Yeah. Cobretti. Cobretti. Uh, same yeah. same uh, character's name. Uh, Cobretti. Cobretti. Yeah. The Cobra was so much better than Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. Great movie. Great uh, movie. But you but, know what? Uh, Brigitte Nielsen. Yeah. Cobra. Brigitte Nielsen. Yeah. Beverly yeah. Hills Cop 2. Brigitte Nielsen, one of the weirdest celebrity <laughs> encounters I've ever had oh, wow. in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah? Did she yes. bench press you? No. I. Uh, sh- she was – I was at this bar, and they were doing this, like, pilot for this uh, – uh, celebrity karaoke show yeah. and after they decided they weren't going to shoot the pilot they just had this party and everybody was doing karaoke and I was standing there with a friend and she's up there doing some rap song or something and she pulls me up on stage oh, no. and just like it gives me the mic <laughs> for me to just freestyle <laughs> and I'm like a rip rap a rip and a rap you know i had no idea what the hell oh. it was just so bizarre and then yeah she she was uh she was fun she was very interesting so <laughs> stallone ultimately pulled out 2 weeks before filming was to start because he wanted to do his cobra movie and they wouldn't let him oh. so they contacted quite a few people uh in the 2 weeks before the movie was supposed to start oh yeah Quite a few actors that were considered for this role. Jeff Bridges, James Conn, Billy Crystal, Robert De Niro, Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Mel Gibson, Gregory Hines, Michael Keaton, Nick Nolte, Al Pacino, Richard Pryor, Dennis Quaid, Kurt Russell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, John Travolta, Robin Williams, Bruce Willis. Yeah, uh, none of them said yes, or they were never seriously considered. No. Uh, Some of them would have been, Kurt Russell would have been interesting. Yeah. Richard Pryor would have been a much different movie. Yeah, um, I, I mean, definitely, definitely. There's some good, you know. But Pryor would have been good in it. I mean, it would have been fun. Yeah. But uh, two days before they were going to shoot, they managed to convince Eddie Murphy to do the movie. Woohoo! Yeah. I'm sure that $4 million paycheck probably helped. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a nice little carrot. He's like, wait, you want to give me $4 million? Okay. That's a perfect Eddie Murphy. That was terrible. Wow, we're going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Foghorn Lake Order, Eddie Murphy? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't do impressions. All right. Yes, you do. Uh, so that prompted them to do more rewrites. Uh, in the meantime, they were trying to get Martin Brest to do the movie. Uh, he had been fired from War Games, which I did not know. I didn't know that either. Uh, I wonder why. 
In fact, the I, I, there was no record that I could find of why he was fired from the movie. It was um, uh, they they sealed the record. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, they ba- he based the Beverly Hills Interior Police Station off of his designs for the war games, like like actual interior. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah with all that the was computers his. And yeah, stuff. yeah. So it was it was supposed to look as as high end as possible in comparison to the D- Detroit crappy. Yeah, at the know, time, man, that place was. It was yeah. legit. And then yeah. you look at it now, and it's like there's 4K of RAM in the entire building. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Martin Brest didn't want to do it, and uh, eventually— I wonder why. I mean— I, The thing is, is, he's only done nine movies his entire career. It's and, You know, we always talk about this stuff and how it's yeah. like, how would somebody not do this? Or, yeah. And I think we have to realize that the, the movie that we see probably isn't the script that we're reading. No, you know what I mean? No, I think the, the script probably was no. very different. And, you know, it's just yeah. – it's like we all are just like 2020 hindsight, you know, uh, right. armchair quarterbacks. Well, course, like, what, what was it? But, you know. Well, in, in that regard, the, he was getting hounded by by uh, Simpson and Bruckheimer to do it. And Don Simpson eventually just stopped because Mark Brest kept saying no. And then Bruckheimer said, no, I'm going to keep trying. And to get him off his back, Martin Brest said to Jerry Bruckheimer, I will flip a coin. That's insane. If the coin says his heads, I'll do it. Tails, I won't. He flipped a coin. He directed the movie. Most successful movie he ever movie made. Movie made $300 million plus million, and he framed the nickel or quarter coin. He yes. framed the coin that that got him the job. Damn straight he did. I mean, he doesn't I think he doesn't really have to work anymore. I mean, God knows he's making a ton of money off well, this no. stuff. Well, no. But also, it's... Yeah. I find it a little interesting that Simpson and Bruckheimer picked Martin Brest because he's not a, a flashy no. director. No, not at know? all. No, no, but but, but that, it gets to that that gritty real mm-hmm. like that Martin Brest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was he's so the, real he, and down to earth. He is the absolute best at grounded action comedy. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's it, that movie and uh, Midnight, Run. Midnight Run. They're yeah. both like two of my favorite yeah. action comedies yeah. of all Brilliant. time, but also just. It's not, you know, big explosions or, you know, car, big crazy car chases or whatever. There's, you know, a few little fun things in there, but it's not yeah. like these giant spectacles. It's, no, it's, it's their character-driven the character pieces. pieces. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing is that he, has, he, he works with good actors, mm-hmm. good actors that are, are good characters, and they take direction well. And that's the key to both of these movies is yes. casting, yes. is knowing 100%. how to direct your actors to make the right. best movie and right. picking the right actors for the role. And it's like... You know, reading that list, you know, like I said, there's a lot of great actors, but there is yeah. only one Axel Foley, and that is no, Yeah, Murphy. exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, when they decided, to, when they finally were shooting, they got to shooting, uh, the opening was shot mostly in Detroit. Uh, they did have a police escort, but there were even areas in Detroit that the cops wouldn't go to. <laughs> it was it was pretty dicey back it's then crazy. in Detroit. You know? I can't— I mean, not, I mean, Detroit's had a long history of yeah, yeah. You know, problems it's, with, you know, the car industry— Pulling out, yeah, pop, yeah. You know, it's like Michigan hasn't. Michigan's been been shat on quite yeah, a bit. <laughs> exactly, it's like the redheaded stepchild of yeah. the United States sometimes, and that blows. But to Martin Brest's credit, he shot there anyway. He shot those places and said, "Well, if yeah. you guys don't want to do it, you know, this is what I need." This and is they're great shots. My... Yeah, oh yeah. It's all those shots of like the kid at the, you know, and the kids in front of the fire hydrant. You yeah, know, the opening. The, yeah, the, yeah. All the the, the montage. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's really brilliant. Cool. It, it really sets the tone. Yeah, yeah, and it, it yes, exactly. And it develops. It sets the tone for Axel Foley because you know who he is and where he's from. Just as, you know, when he gets to Beverly Hills, the montage sets the tone perfectly for right. that. You know, right. it's just like he know it's the real city. Even though it's a heightened version of Beverly Hills, it's really not that heightened, you know, no, from back no, then. No. I, I had, you know, it's very 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they actually shot the exterior of the Beverly Hills police station uh, was actually the Beverly Hills City Hall. And, oh, yeah. uh, and despite Beverly Hills being very fancy, the exterior looked like crap. Oh, well, it's a police <laughs> it was, station. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, so they actually the, – the production actually paid to have a facelift done on Beverly Hills City Hall to make it look better before yeah. – Oh, wow. That's Beverly Hills for you. <laughs> make the other guy pay for it. <laughs> That's uh, why everybody's rich because they don't use their own money. But the worst part – and the worst thing about Beverly Hills is that they don't allow shooting after 10.30 p.m. Oh, sure. So the large majority of the night scenes were shot in Pasadena. Oh. <laughs> because oh, Pasadena, Pasadena was like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> we'll take your money. <laughs> Come shoot here. That's fine. All right. So uh, very interesting, Adam. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I, I just it's, it's love that movie. Story. Yeah. And yeah. a fascinating yeah. – watching it again, it had been a while since I'd seen it. It was just – it was like I had just seen it. An right. hour ago, you know, it, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it's such a good movie. It's in my brain. So we're gonna hit a promo, and then we're gonna come back with an interview with our good, good pal, amazing interview, Mr. T. I'm so excited, award winning filmmaker, Mr. T. Arthur. Our very, 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 very special guest and our returning champion is award winning filmmaker. His movie, and also my movie too, a little bit. Carbuncle is available at carbunclemovie.com. I believe he just didn't you just win an award for uh one hour alcohol? Yeah, yeah. One hour alcohol won best indie feature at uh, Film Threats Award this. Well, throw it on the pile, buddy. Um Yeah. That's what I do, baby. I just win awards. Uh if you that's... don't recognize his voice, it's our a very, very good pal, Mr. T. Arthur Cottom. Hey buddy. Hey. Yay, hey guys. Welcome back. Thanks for having thanks for having me on again. Of it was course. so much fun the first time. I'm excited to do it again. Oh, I, and I'm gonna ruin the excitement right now with a little bit of sadness. Um, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> one of our eighties ladies, Miss Tony mm-hmm. Catan, passed away at fifty nine. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Last night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right, wow. unfortunate. Yeah. Okay, right. thanks. Good job. Way to start off <laughs> thanks, the conversation. We're gonna have a thirty minutes of oh, silence, but you know, <laughs> you know who's still alive? Eddie Murphy. Yes, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy from Beverly yeah. Hills Cop. So Eddie when did freaking Murphy the man? Did you see it in the theater, T? Of course. Excellent. What was that like for you? Transcendent. <laughs> Uh, it was really fun. You know, it was one of many movies that I went and saw with my mom. Uh, yeah, that was, that was one of our things. We would go to the movies together and, and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, I was a big fan of 48 hours. Oh, me too. At at that point. Yeah. Which, by the way, okay. Eighties, different times, seventies and eighties, different time. Right. I think I was like. (laughs) I think I was like 10 years old when my dad took my brother and I to see 48 Hours. Yeah, we got to go see R-rated movies when we were way, way too young to see them. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the only time I didn't get into an R-rated movie when I was a kid was when my mom took me to see Conan the Barbarian. Oh. And we had bought the tickets and we were about to go into the movie theater and the guy who was taking the tickets is like, are you sure you want to bring a kid in to see this movie? <laughs> and it was, it was as if that was the first moment that it had occurred to my mom. That it might not be okay to take me to see an R rated movie. 
Look, Arnold Schwarzenegger's acting is really bad, so. <laughs> but don't subject your child to it. <laughs> hey, that movie played to all his strengths, right? I mean, yes. he's silent for most of the movie. His he muscles. needed to be silent and violent, right? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> silent and violent. Uh, I just came up with it. I know, it's brilliant. It's the title of your next movie. Um, <laughs> silent and deadly. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, one thing that I that it, about uh, Beverly Hills Cop is like mm-hmm. it's not really an action movie. You know, there's some action right. in it, but it's right. all grounded in reality. Like, there's no like slow mo dual wielding pew pew pew. You know, as he's diving on the thing, it's yeah. just like they shoot their guns. They look scary. They look scared. You know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's funny because I had been thinking about this you know, before you even asked me to do the show and this sort of plays into that, is that the opening sequence of this movie is the weirdest yep. for an action, quote unquote action movie, <clears throat> even for a comedy movie. It's <laughs> yeah. the weirdest opening. Cause it's Glenn Fry. The heat is on. Yeah. Right. And it's like this kind of, you know, just got this rhythm to it, and it's <laughs> no, no. Before that, before that, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the Pointer Sisters. All right. So before that, there's Glenn Fry's "The Heat Is On," yeah, and, and the heat is on, heat is on, yeah, <laughs> oh, and and it's just showing these kind of mundane shots yeah. of Detroit. Well, it's, you know, it's it's not like some big action sequence. It's just like, oh, yeah, here's some kids playing in the water and here's some, you know, a dude drinking a beer and, yeah. you know, in a, out of a bag. And it's just sort of these mundane shots with this like pumping soundtrack. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, <laughs> we get this the most bizarre car chase, too, which which I was oh, a great car chase. Yeah, but it totally reminded me of um uh, the Blues Brothers, because it's like right. there was just there was such a it, it was so many movies had like these one bubble crappy old look cop car car chases with like eighty cars that just get smushed, <laughs> you know? Right. It's just like so many cars got just dunked on in that scene for no reason, and just and, yeah. and there's no like if it was today, Eddie Murphy would have climbed up on top of the truck and made his way and boom, punched the guy right. out and saved the day, but now oh. he's just flip flopping around. <laughs> Right. It's just flip flopping around in the back, right? That's he a doesn't good point. really do much. He just kind of holds on for dear life. Yeah, and that's it. Well, that's what I love but, about him. His character isn't a super dude. He, no, he's not even no. like a good. Doesn't seem like a good shot. You know, they don't. He's just. Right. He's he's Bugs Bunny. You know, that, Axel Foley's Bugs Bunny because he's he's a smart ass, but he's not an asshole. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a, yeah. I never thought about the comparison to Bugs Bunny. I mean, why would I? But it's <laughs> <laughs> but I, but it is kind of a good comparison. Yeah, he's a smart ass. Yeah, he's not some sharpshooter or like tough guy or anything like that. He uh-huh. just and that is part of what I, I. That's a big part of what I like about the movie is that he is just kind. of He uses his wits. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like and, to say Bugs Bunny. It's almost like you know. He, 
telegram from Mr. Blue Blue because he even comes in with deliveries and stuff, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so true. If you put on a dress, you know, for it's like, <laughs> I need to see Mr. Maitland, you know? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Is it... <laughs> wow. That that whole that Bugs Bunny comparison is really kind of a revelation here. You're blowing my mind, Jim. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> edibles are kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I- interview over. That's. Right. I mean, yeah. I think you covered it. Okay. The yeah. funny thing. I. I thought I had something revelatory with the whole opening sequence, but this is you know that the the Bugs Bunny comparison is. That, did you know, um, Adam? I'm I'm sure you're great with the research, yeah. so I'm sure you you already know this. You guys have may already uh, you may have already discussed it, but. <clears throat> Did you know that it was originally supposed to be a vehicle for Sylvester Stallone? Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. He, Which, uh, he, his name was Cobretti. In Cobretti, that too, yeah, uh, in Beverly Hills Cop, and so it was basically his. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Cobra yeah. is what his wow. Beverly Hills Cop would have been. Yeah, wow. He he, he rewrote the entire script. When he came in, he came in and did his little rewrites, and, and it essentially became Cobra. And then there's this dumb story that they wow. said that, that he quit over orange juice. Yeah, I don't know if that's real or not. Yeah. I think it might have been um, made up, but supposedly he didn't like the brand of orange juice they had. In his trailer? In his trailer. I don't know. <laughs> Jim Essen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now, now do Nick Nolte. Um, now do Nick Nolte. Um, yeah, um, convict. Uh. <laughs> wow, that was pretty good. That was pretty yeah. That's one of your better impersonations. Oh, wow, ties it right into the 48 hours. All right, baby. I'm a professional. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, he, grunt, he grunts through half of the movie, 48 hours. Grunts through three quarters of his career. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but, he's like literally chewing on gravel yes, the whole time. <laughs> but back to Beverly Hills. Yes, 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 please. So, yeah. I, I, so, I, part of the reason why I love it is because he's a smart ass and he gets by on his wits. And he is, there's like this subtle sort of um, message about classism. Mm-hmm. Oh, or, yeah, or maybe yeah. maybe not so subtle. Yeah, I was going to say. Which I related to, too, being, you know, a, a poor kid growing up in L.A. Mm-hmm. and, you know, going to going to school with a lot of rich kids. You know, for me, I that was really appealing. I was like, wow, you know, it. He doesn't. He uses it as a strength, almost. Yeah. Well, and also, it, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That's that's pretty much it. I was just going to ramble <laughs> oh. on from there. So, yeah. <laughs> well, no, but also it has one of my absolute favorite tropes: is uh, enemies becoming best friends, and mm. they do such a good job of like the the yeah. trio, you know, coming together with yeah. Taggart and yeah. Billy. You know, but it's like it's believable. And the cool thing about Eddie Murphy in that is he's not a jerk. He he respects these guys. You yeah. know, he's like, right. you guys are good cops. I just don't understand why you got a stick up your ass. You know, he's just like right. he's more baffled than anything else. You know, like you want me to press charges? Nah, I'm not going to do that. You guys are crazy. You know, right, right. And okay, can can we just acknowledge? So, um, can we just acknowledge that? If this were real life, 
Axel Foley and those and Taggart and Rosewood would all be dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like if it was this, if it was the, if these circumstances Eddie, happened in real life, yes. all those guys would be dead. Eddie so, Murphy would have been dead he, when they threw him through the window. The cops would have showed up and just shot him. <laughs> yeah. right. He's breaking and entering. <laughs> oh, he would have been dead in he would have been dead in Detroit before that. I oh, mean, yeah. when they killed his best friend, they would have killed him too. Or when so, he popped yeah, up in the back of the truck, they would have been like, boop, 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 <laughs> "Damn it, that was oh, he was a cop. Oops. He was a cop. Oops, all right. Quick, Time put a gun in his hand. Put it in his hand." Right. It doesn't make any sense that they allowed him to stay alive when they killed his friend. Like that was the, so, the right. one plot point that I was like, oh, okay, I get it. He has to stay alive, but so really? I, 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 so I say that not as a criticism of the movie. I say that to say, like, let's suspend, like, w- let's suspend our disbelief because yeah. obviously we have to suspend our disbelief and just have fun with this movie. So if anybody's going into this movie thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to see this gritty cop, you know, right. movie that's got comedy in it, it's <laughs> like no. You're seeing a popcorn fun movie yeah. that like anytime it's on anywhere, I just will let it play or yeah. stop and watch it cuz it's just a it's a great fun movie and that's that's what it's meant to be. So Oh man, I hadn't seen it in probably I don't know, 10 or 15 years. And when mm. I watched it a couple of days ago, I immediately uh, uh, been a couple months for me. <laughs> <laughs> I had it shows no, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I watch I, it frequently. Yeah, it's like Midnight Run. Like those are my, you know, exactly. I've been trying this year. <laughs> in the last couple of years, I've been trying to do a thing where I watch movies I haven't seen rather than movies I've seen. Man. But mm-hmm. but doing the show, I've been able to you know revisit my favorites, and I'm like, why am I even doing that? That's stupid. First of all, and second of all, it was like as <laughs> right. soon as I started watching Beverly Hills Cop, I could I knew all the dialogue. You know, I was cool, yeah. right yep. along. You know, doing my dumb little characters for the cat. I haven't watched <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop in a while, and I totally forgot that Ronnie Cox was not the bad guy. So what? literally the whole movie, I was like waiting for Ronnie Cox to be revealed as the bad guy. Well, that's the thing. It's like it was that movie was grounded in reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the characters weren't like Beverly Hills Cop. One versus Beverly Hills Cop Two, you know they're they're Beverly Hills One was charming, you know it was its own little thing, and the Beverly Hills Cop Two yeah. because of of uh, uh, Tony, Tony, Tony Scott, you know with Tony his, Scott, with yeah, his electric sunsets and you know the orange. Oh, I love his I love his style. Yeah, I it's beautiful, but it didn't go with Beverly Hills Cop for me because it just made it a little too big, you know. It's like see, I I like Beverly Hills Cop Two. Okay, so I wouldn't I. I watch Beverly Hills Cop 1 all the time. Okay. I don't watch Beverly Hills Cop 2. I haven't seen that that one I haven't seen in years. But I still love the movie and it's partly because I do love the Tony Scott style. Um Beverly Hills Cop 3 is one of the worst movies ever made. Oh yeah, I walked out of that movie <clears throat> in the theater. I saw it for free. Same. On I snuck U- in. On the- <laughs> I walked out even though I snuck I in. in. I didn't sneak in. I saw it on the. A friend of mine worked at Universal at the time, and they were having a screening for the for the employees at Universal. So he invited me to go, Ooh. and I I was so pissed off. I'm like, I just saw this movie for free, and I will never get that time back. And it's one of the like I was offended by how bad it. Me was. too, because it took it was like so lazy and so awful oh, and unfunny, yes. and it's like. Yes, like the, in such bad special effects too. Like the whole thing yes. on, the, on the roller coaster, or whatever. Terrible. It yes, was, it was just. I, I literally All did not that. do any research it, for Beverly Hills Cop. Good, <laughs> because that movie should be buried no. with 
E.T. the should. video game and <laughs> burnt to hell. <laughs> right. I agree. And it had all the elements to be good. Yes. It was John John Landis. Yep. Oh, it's a yeah. successful franchise. It's Bronson Pinchot came back. Bronson Pinchot. I mean, it was. It had all the elements to be a good movie, and it was just dog crap. Well, it goes to show you that a script is kind of important sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, that was one where they started shooting before they had a script finished. You know. Oh, yeah. oh really? Well, they only yeah. had seven it's... years to write it. <laughs> <laughs> it shows. Oh, it is. Uh, let's just do it in an amusement park and add a love interest and some crappy special effects. And it's just we're just doing it for the cash grab anyway. So oh, yeah. uh, cut, cut out all the comedy, too. We don't need any comedy. <laughs> The laughs just slow it down, you know. The comedy, the comedy is only in how bad it is. Yeah. that's the only that's the only way it works as a comedy. But it is, I do, I do like that, you know, the subtle social commentary that yeah. goes on in Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, even you know, and you can take it at, at face value and just say, well, it's you know, just a fun cop movie, um, comedy. Or you can take it as a social commentary, and it kind of works both ways. Yeah, and he stands up. You yeah, know, against yeah. all of it. He he never shrinks right. back. He never right. takes it. You know, anybody yep. does it, he's just like back in your face. Like, <laughs> no way, pal. That's what the interesting thing with right. Rose, Rosewood and Taggart is yeah. that you can see them grow to respect him yeah. as the movie goes on. And like, because he's a good oh, yeah. cop. Especially really Taggart, right. you know, who's yeah. also fighting a bit of racism probably, yeah. you know. Yeah. and Right. <laughs> but it was, it was really Taggart, well point. Taggart's like everybody's beleaguered stepdad, you know. He's just like, uh, <laughs> I hate everything. I just want to blow my brains out. <laughs> but but I think he also like gets reinvigorated because of he becomes a cop again. Yeah, you know, and and, Bo- mm. and uh, Bobby is it? Uh, uh, Judge Reinhold. Yeah, Rosewood. Rosewood. Yeah, Bobby. Um, Bobby. You know, he becomes a cop. So it's yeah, like these, yeah. you know, it's like a journey for every. Oh, I hate that word, but I'll say it. It's like <laughs> uh, you know, Eddie. Mur- you know, it's like these guys become better cops because. Eddie Murphy's such a good cop. And that's the one right. thing that's not funny is his his skills. Like when he's figuring out about the cocaine and the coffee and when he's figuring out, you know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, it's a great – I mean, then that's a, that's another thing. Um, I, it was just really clever and it was stuff that – and I know that we were young when we saw it. But it was stuff that you, you wouldn't think of, like the – coffee with the drug you know throwing off the scent of the dogs and and there were those clever things in it and i think a you know a pivotal scene in terms of them um him earning their respect uh uh axel earning the respect respect of uh taggart and rosewood is the scene in the strip club yeah right and you think this is just going to be some gratuitous scene where he takes him to the strip club and oh ha ha aren't they uncomfortable and it has all of that but then it it sh- and it, but it then it shows, oh, he's a good guy. He's super observant, yeah. and, and and he and Taggart's a good cop because he listens. You yeah, know, he's yeah. not just like uh, screw right. you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, right, right. Which, yeah, yeah, which it, yeah. yeah, which is original for its time too. Yeah, um, yeah. I, because I, usually it was yeah. I hate. Go ahead, Jim. I, that's one I, thing I hate I it too. Hate. Go ahead. Yeah, you and I have talked about this. I just hate yeah. manufactured conflict. Yeah. It's yeah. just there yeah. for no reason. It's just it's like these speed bumps that you can you know that are just you know they're just written in there, you know. And that's a problem mm-hmm. too. It's like when a lot of these sequels from these eighty eighties mo- movies, they would tear the people apart and have to yeah. bring them back together again. And it's like if you look at like uh, something just, like 
40 uh, another 48 hours exactly that's what, it was so pointless <laughs> that's a perfect example but if you look at like lethal weapon 2 where they they strengthen the bond between the two guys mm, it was mm-hmm. almost a better movie than lethal weapon 1 in my opinion oh i i think in my opinion it was a better movie than, yeah, than lethal weapon because they 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 uh they built on the strengths mm-hmm. rather than trying yes. to you know be like okay let's recreate the magic right right right, right. yeah no they built on it. i i totally agree yeah, but Beverly Hills um, Cop too. They did, you know, they were all buddies that fished together and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But but the the but, the manufactured crap was that ridiculously cartoonish, you know, inspector guy that was just like, you're all a bunch of jerks and everybody's a jerk and you know, yes. you're and I'm gonna give you right exactly. Oh, this is I don't care what the evidence says. Yeah. You guys are going against protocol. Yes, right. so I'm throwing it all out. This Ugh. is bullshit. Now straighten up and fly right. Right. Yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> how did that guy become chief? You know, it's like how did any of these chiefs become chief if they're such you know? Don't give a crap about what you're saying. <laughs> right well and that's a that's a that's something that you're you're um bringing up something that makes lieutenant bogomil really likable too because mm-hmm. in the end he does listen to them yeah it's exactly what you're talking about it's like he's he he's he questions the methods obviously but in the end he's sort of like well evidence is they, there yeah yeah if yeah. they caught him they caught him like, and he comes in to help too and he like makes up that whole story that awesome yeah. line right you know? <laughs> right <laughs> the whole time i was watching it i was expecting him to be the bad guy and when he wasn't it was it was like a breath of fresh air it was like oh no he's good at this yeah and he, well and that's right and he's yeah this is you know i mean the the core cops are good cops they're, yeah. they're good at what they do and they respect each other you know and the and even right. the jerk upper cop you know he's not as cartoonish and hateable as the other one. He's just an old, you know, he's been <laughs> sitting riding a desk too long, baby. The, <laughs> the chief or whatever? Yeah. Is that what you're, you're uh, is this yeah, the guy yeah. that put the banana in the <laughs> deal, babe? Yeah. <laughs> is this the man? Yes. Who <laughs> the Harold Club? Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can we acknowledge also, I don't, I don't want to forget to acknowledge the guy who plays Mike from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Banks. Yes. Jonathan Banks. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I was it blanking goes. on his name. Oh, he's so <laughs> creepy. He's yeah. so creepy. Oh, yeah. He's even creepier with hair. Yeah. yeah. That's what I've noticed. <laughs> Younger and with it. I got to say that he is in like two of the most. Number one, it's cool that he's in both 48 Hours and uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yep. And so I was a fan of his, you know, just from that. And he's in like two of, I know this is not going to mean much after hearing that (laughs) I watched like My Bloody Valentine Friday the 13th as a kid. But I I still like, he's in like two of the most traumatic scenes in, in my favorite 80s movies, which is, you know, in 48 hours, him getting blown away oh, yeah. in the beginning of beginning of 48 hours. I that was one of those moments that you talked about, Jim, where I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> he gave him? He did what he asked him to do. He said he was going to let him live, and then he just blows him away. What the fuck just happened? That's not fair." Yeah, I remember thinking that as a kid. Like I watch oh, yeah. it now, and I still get that like shock through my body that goes. It's like this. It's just like reliving that trauma, you know, of like, oh my god. 
And of course, as an adult, I know better, yeah. you know, like logically, I know, yeah, this is a movie and, it, but you still, I still feel that electricity go through my body. Like, Oh my God, I'm seeing something that I shouldn't be watching that like, it's, it's, it's not, it, it shouldn't go that way. Right. No. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's what we're and taught. I, but now we know that life is not fair at all. Right. So, <laughs> you will most likely That's probably what's going to happen. You know, people are going right. to shoot you in the face, especially in this business. Right. But that's but and then in Beverly Hills Cop, it's it's a similar kind of thing where Jonathan Banks is like, okay, well, I'm going to let you go, but you just don't come back. Yeah, okay? yeah. So all right, we'll you messed do it, up. Don't do it again, okay? Like, I love our reenactment. Oh, yeah. You, you, yeah. <laughs> our dinner theater production of Beverly Hills. Uh, it's riveting. <laughs> and then he shoots him. And then yeah. he shoots him. Well, you know what's crazy about that is I distinctly remember when he gets shot, like, crap spewing forth from his yes. front. But when I watch it again, right. there's nothing. So I guess my I, brain. Same thing. You know. My brain just fills in the blank, and it's so. But it it has such a violent feel to it yeah, too, yeah. because it's that shot from far away, and he's pulling his hair back, and he's pointing. Is he pulling his hair back? I think he's pulling his hair back. Yeah, and yeah. he's and he's got the. It's that side angle shot. It's mm-hmm. such a violent yeah. looking shot. And it's sudden, and there's like no. And it's sudden, yeah. right? There's not like yeah. this. You know, wait three seconds as his fingers like you know yeah. tensing on the <laughs> right. trigger. Right, <laughs> which is right, which is a testament to the the directing by a, a fellow NYU alumnus. Ugh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> is that Martin Brest? Yeah, Martin Brest. Yeah, yeah. Did Martin, which did he direct? Uh, uh, um, Midnight Run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's got such yes. a great grounded. You know, I, I don't know if a, action comedy director, but it's like. The he action is the, just so not action. He did not want it, to direct it, this it, movie at all. Really? They yeah. literally had to hound him for, for like three months. He ended then, up flipping a coin. Yeah, then he ended up flipping a coin just because he didn't <laughs> really? want them to call him anymore. Yeah. And he was like, well, whatever the coin says it is. And he did the movie. That, and this is his biggest movie he ever made. That's crazy. Because to me, like Midnight Run and Beverly Hills Cop are his best movies by far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And two of the best cop movies, you know. Yeah. yeah. Or crime movies, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not technical crime comedy. Midnight Runs, not like yeah, but, well, but it's yeah. it's in that family. Yeah, there's crimes. Sure, there's crimes. <laughs> there's some cops 80, too. 80s action comedies. Let's just yeah, let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Are there movies like that today? I mean, you know, in the last twenty uh, years, that are kind of like because yeah, everything seems like everybody's got to be buff and everything's got to be like. You know, yeah, I mean they did. They, yeah, they the they are good doing guys. Like that. The, I was just gonna say the good guys. Yeah, that the was such guys, a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and then there's the one that um, oh god, why am I? I'm I'm totally blanking the nice on guys. the name. The nice guys, right? The nice guys, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. They're <laughs> they're two similar titles, and I couldn't remember the nice guys. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the nice guy. But I don't even think that like the nice guys. I felt it was okay, but it was a little disappointing mm. for me. Anyway, I guess um, they 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 do them now, but they're all like gimmicky. They're mm-hmm. always it's like that 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 Uber movie that. Kumail Nanjiani was in or whatever oh, like yeah. you know it's always right. it's, it's like the guy with the kid or like there's always a gimmick to it yeah like there's some kind yeah of, yeah there's they can't be strong enough on just the no it can't just know. be a cop investigating something which are that's awesome I mean why I just don't get it I guess I don't know I guess people just aren't into that they need things complicated 
Well, I think they are into it, and I think we need to revive the genre. Damn straight, baby. Oh, man. It is so much fun to have you every time. Same Uh, here. Same here. Thank you so much for being with us, man. Yeah, always. Oh, thank you, guys. It's uh, it's always fun. And I, I... I can't wait to come back. Yeah. yeah what's, what's, uh, what's what's next? What do you want us to do? Yeah. Well, we we'll we'll cover whatever you want. Forty eight well, hours. Well, I w- well forty eight hours would be awesome. Right. Fletch would be awesome. Fletch, Fletch done. Okay, right, we'll have you back one. for Fletch. And I mean, I love you, buddy. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so love much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Man. Thank you, guys. <laughs> T is hilarious. He's great, guys. It's so much fun. I yeah. Well, it's yeah. Release dude. the full interview at some point. Yeah, I think I think the, the, the world deserves to hear <laughs> all of our insane ramblings. Um, so, man, Beverly Hills Cop, it changed my life. I mean, I loved that movie so much uh, when I saw it. My friend, my buddy Larry and I, I wish Larry, <laughs> Larry, Larry needs to listen to the Larry, show because yeah. he's going to come up a lot. But, you know, I remember seeing that with him. Uh, I think we gave each other the soundtrack for Christmas because wow. it came out around December. Well, yeah, December um, yeah. But it's like, you know... That music and the uh, Ghostbusters, the soundtracks of those movies were the soundtracks for the summer. And yeah, you yeah. – just the, the, the movies that came out that year, uh, you said Bridges of the Lost Ark. Uh, Gremlins. Gremlins. It was I've, such an amazing yeah. year to be in the theater. And that movie – all of those movies had one thing in common. They were just completely different from each other. But they were good time Charlies, you know. It was they were you fun. were going to have a great time. Yeah. Raise all Lost Ark, Gremlins, Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, like, Tootsie. It was all about <laughs> Tootsie, <laughs> Tootsie. But that it was a, it was such a fun year and such great movies. And I think that was kind of the year maybe that solidified my wanting to be in that business yeah, because I, I was that. like, I want to make something like this. It's so much fun. I, you know, that was kind of too around the time that my friends and I. We're making our own little movies and our own videos, you know, like we talked mm-hmm. about with the MTV show. You know, that was the thing is as as our generation X were watching these movies, we were also making movies because we had the VCR, you know, the the, the video cassette be able recorders. To do it. The video. Yeah. 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 We had you know, we were the first generation to really have a instant uh a thing. You know, you didn't have to shoot an eight millimeter and wait right. for it to get uh, process. No film yeah. and, and they cut stuff, it, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I would do VCR to VCR cutting. And it was those movies, you know, we would take, you know, you would take a Beverly Hills Cop song, you know, we would take the new, I literally, we took the Neutron Dance around Christmas and we made this stupid video of us running around in circles and jumping and playing. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, it was a lot of fun and it was nice to, to be able to go be entertained. Yes. And, and it sparked your imagination in such a way. Yeah. You know I mean? And it, it wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't condescending, you know. It, no. it, they, they were all great movies that weren't talking down to you or or trying to be everything to everybody. Right, right. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of. Uh, it was just fun. I, at the end of the day, I mean, this is why these movies are. This is why we're talking about right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, they they're indelible. They they're always going to be around. And Beverly Scott, just so many great characters, and launched so many careers. It was so great to see Judge Reinhold go from, you know, the guy that's like a uh, wackety jackety in, <laughs> in Fast Times at Richmond High, yeah. which is an incredible performance, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what everybody yeah. remembers that because, you know, the, the scene of Phoebe Cates is like the the yeah. scene for boys of a certain generation or whatever. Burned in your mind. Exactly. But he is so good because he's not stupid. He's just naive, you know. 
They yeah. play yeah. him as he's green. Yeah. But, you know, he's got good instincts. And Taggart as well. Yeah. 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 Taggart could have been you know, just a complete racist a-hole or just, yeah. you know, one of those guys. But he was such a good character, such a well-rounded cop. You know, same thing with Bogomil. And even uh, the, the one character that I don't really like, but he was fine, was uh, was, was uh, uh, his partner back in Detroit. Uh, you know, the, the, the nebbish from... Uh, oh, uh, uh, um, the Mad About You guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Paul, uh, Paul, Paul Reiser. Reiser. Yeah, Paul Reiser, yeah, yeah. Yeah, The poor man <laughs> Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> but in Todd, you know, uh, Inspector Todd, you know, he... he he wasn't like he was the you know you're in trouble, man. But he was also like you're a good cop, man, and you got to do the if you're going to be yeah. a cop, you got to do it. You know his his stuff made sense. Like the whole scene, where he's like my ass is getting chewed out, and and then he's like, right. hey, Captain, you still got a little ass left. He's like, don't <laughs> don't test me. You know what's weird though? Yeah, is that that actor Gil Hill played he, Inspector Todd? That played Inspector Todd. Yeah. He was an actual um, head of the Detroit homicide division for a while yeah he was the head of the homicide division uh during the atlanta child murders right um and he uh he was on the city council he ran for mayor a couple of times unsuccessfully uh (laughs) he was also under investigation by the fbi oh wow uh for corruption for like taking bribes from uh drug dealers and uh one of the things he was apparently covered up I uh, allegedly um, covered up uh, the murder of this 13-year-old boy by the these drug dealers. Oh, wow. And, you know, he he denied it. Uh, he was never prosecuted. Oh, There's wow. a lot of interest. You know, look it up if you're interested in the story. Gil Hill. Uh, yeah. But he, you know, he, he passed in 2016 at 84. Wow. He was also, you know, on the other side, he was like a big hero of the community. And, and uh, but it's just, what an interesting guy. Like, you know, the fact that they got a real cop to right, play him right. shows the authenticity. Well, that, yeah. And the fact that they got a possibly real corrupt cop shows the real <laughs> authenticity. <laughs> That's Martin Brest, man. He, yeah. he was all about making everything as real as possible mm-hmm. while still being a movie. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was all about, you know. And I, and to Martin Brest's credit, and not and not just him, but obviously Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson, yeah. but the, the original budget for the movie was $14 million. Goodness gracious. And they brought it in under three, $13 million, not $3 million, under $13 million. They managed to shave a million dollars off the budget. So they made it literally for $9 because four of that yeah, was right, for... Right, went to Eddie Murphy. Yeah, so for $9 million they made... They made that's that what's movie. incredible, is they... Every time we talk about these movies and the scope of them and the budgets are so small and everything is practical or, you know, or right, set paintings right. or whatever, it, it, it's just it, – they knew how to, like, make movies for a lot less money and make them a lot more realistic. Because I, I know we were talking about it with T, but I also – I just miss that – I really want to see a gritty, funny cop. Or crime drama yeah, like yeah. those, you know? Well, and it's it's the thing is that the flip side of that is that 10 years later when Beverly Hills Cop 3 came out, the budget for that was between 50 to $70 million. Yeah, and probably 20 of that went to Eddie Murphy. Uh, and it was it was crap. I yeah, mean, it was, because he it phoned it. He didn't give a crap bad. about the movie. No, nobody, nobody gave a crap about that movie. You know, everybody it's, that – it was so past sad. their all – it was past all of their prime. It was past poor John Landis's prime because he yeah. didn't give a crap. I mean, he was never the same film director after the the two people died yeah. on uh, Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone yeah. the movie. Uh, you know, Murphy was just 
he was making the kids movies. That's when he started making yeah. those, you know, the cash grabs. And it just was lazy. It was a lazy, lazy movie that was so bad. That it was really disappointing out, because yeah. it, it was set up to be so successful and be so good. And it was I mean, just so, so mad. I, I so bad. was so angry at that movie because I loved those characters so much. And I loved, you know, the first one and even the second one. You know, I loved them. And I was so excited for Beverly Hills Cop 3. And it let me down so, so hard, man. Yeah. It was disappointing. It was like your stepdad being like, oh, I'm going to take you to Disneyland. And then he (laughs) picks you up and he takes you down to get a shot. Yeah. In the butt. In the butt. By a needle. (laughs) Just want to make that clear. (laughs) (laughs) But it launched. It was great. It launched. uh, It definitely solidified Eddie Murphy. uh, As a superstar. For a little while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Bronson Pinchot. He got to do. uh, Yeah. Perfect Strangers after that, became yeah. a big star in his own right. Yeah. I mean, I, it was really – but, I mean, for me, and a lot of it was that, you know, I, I grew up in, like, a middle class, you know, uh, a lower middle class, I guess, like, uh, household. And and, and the, the stuff that he was talking about, you know, it really hit home of, yeah. like, having these people who, just because they have money, somehow they think they're better than you. Sure. Well, it's – yeah, it's a lot of fun watching a guy outsmart a bunch of people that right, think they're super smart. right. And and the and fact it shows you money can't buy you right, right. smarts. And the fact that that they earned that he earned their respect mm-hmm. and like they stood behind him because yeah. he did the right thing. Yeah, because you know at the end of the day, a cop's a cop. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's like uh, at least the movie cop situation. We need more cops like that. Yeah, now. man. <laughs> let's get some more Axel Foley's and some uh, more Bogue Mills and some more Taggarts, Taggarts. and some more Billies. Rosewoods. Yeah, yeah. I, we just we need. Yeah, that's police reform. Better cops, please. Yeah. And then also like it's just kind of quaint to watch like the shootouts too, or just you know. Pap 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 pap. You know, and it's just like there's no. It's just they're sloppy. They're messy. Nobody yeah. looks cool. You know, Taggart's <laughs> trying to get up the wall, and he's slipping down, stepping on Billy's head. And, you know, even Axel, he, he gets to do one, like, action roll, you know, yeah, and pop up yeah. and shoot somebody. But for the most part, he, you know, there's nothing cool about, you know, them their shootouts. No, no. it's It, it was very real, I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah, and the, they weren't also real. played for laughs. It wasn't like no, – I mean, no. of course, the trying to get up the, the yeah, thing is, a, is, is it's goofy played for laughs, and it's, but – but, that's, but that would have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they would have thought, this is the way we go. And then, but it was the violence was not important in this movie. It was just ancillary. No. It was just, you know, you got to have a shootout with the bad guy at the end. You know, the yeah, good guy's got to kill still. the bad yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, you, you can't get away. It's Hollywood. <laughs> can't get away from that for me. They got to shoot. And let's just talk for a second about that giant lump right in the center of the bad guy's head. This uh, big yeah. wart. Oh, Mr. Foley. <laughs> Victor Maitland. Yeah, Maitland. Uh, played by Stephen Burkhoff. Yeah, Stephen uh, Burkhoff. Who's British. And uh, I can't remember. Did he have a British accent in the movie? It was like It this. was kind of, yeah. That no, was a perfect impersonation. It was, okay, wow. Spot on. All right, wow. It's like Stephen <laughs> Burkhoff was in the room with me. Uh, I he did was also re- in one of the Rambo movies, wasn't Rambo he? Rambo First Blood Part Two. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was reading that uh, Stephen Burkhoff uh, hated this movie. Really? With a passion. It's because they focused on his big old head wart. His weird goose egg. I want. You better put some makeup over my giant wart. Or yeah, I will he, hate this mover. He went on record as saying that it was it was it's just not his thing. It just wasn't yeah. his thing. Well, he was great in it. Yeah, he was great in it. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. I think maybe uh, his hatred of it 
kind of added to his little devilish well, performance. It, it makes sense. I mean, maybe maybe he's still in character. Who knows? But he was good. It's just I've always that that one guy, that thing, man. Yeah, it's like yeah. Whew, so distracting. It is. It is. Can't Especially remove, now bro. with with like HD oh, and I everything. Said, bro, let me just say I can't. I have to cut that. Okay, just get it removed, man. Yeah, it doesn't help any with the Blu-ray releases and everything. <laughs> yes, it's, it's haunting it's like, wow, me. I can now see, it's it's my... actually four inches off his head. It's crazy. Yes, it's in 3D. All right. Well, Beverly Hills Cop, I highly recommend uh, oh, going yeah. and seeing it again. If you have not seen Beverly Hills Cop, get to it. They are all on HBO Max right now. Yeah. So As we speak, you know, uh, things bounce around. Chance. Yeah, granted, by the time this airs, it might not be. But uh <laughs> Uh, but check it out. There, it's a fun movie. It's highly recommended. Oh, Even if favorites. you pay $4 to rent it, you should do it. Yeah, buy it on Blu-ray, baby. So worth it's it. worth your, having God, in your collection. You know, for $10. If we're going to talk about you know the 100 best movies of the 80s, you know, oh, yeah. that's in the top yeah. 10, I would say. Oh, probably. yeah. 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 Totally, totally. We should do that. That's a good idea. Best movies of the 80s. Yeah, mm-hmm. look at us. Look at us making up ideas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to leave you be, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. Any any uh, any closing thoughts about Mr. Beverly Hills Cop 3? Or no, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that Red Bull's kicking it. Bam. Snoop with your dubs. What? We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Battlestar Galactica, already in progress.